Hey everyone, this is Dan the GM bringing you episode 90 of What the Dice. 90 episodes, the big 9-0. I don't have a pun for this episode. It's probably a good thing. That means Nightland is not completely rubbing off on me. Well, other than that, I want to thank my crew especially for all these episodes. 90 episodes for you all means it's been probably closer to 100 hours of us recording and editing and chatting with each other to build this season. And we've got three more I've got directly planned. And I have no clue what I'm going to do about it besides enjoy every moment of it. But that's all I got. Don't forget to find all those cool rating and review sites and to give us a five-star and a really cool review because eventually I will find them and I will thank you. But that's all I got. Again, thank you for listening. And I'm going to shut up and let you get on with episode 90 of What the Dice. Following the pathway from the village down towards the storyteller's campsite, passing his log cabin which is still in the same state in the last time we were here. Four walls have been up, the windows and door frame are in place. We look around, we see a tanning rack has been set out and a large leather of possibly a deer has been stretched out and is drying. Looking over, we see the storyteller sitting and having a conversation with a heavily armed orc. The orc gives this old man a salute and moves off towards the coastline. Taking our seat at the log that we've always sat on, the storyteller looks at us and gives us a smile. Ah, me friends, me friends, please, please, sit. Now, the last time we were speaking, Faye had a chance to peer through the strange jeweler's loop and saw another murder. This one old and in a town possibly far, far, far away. It also gave her a clue of what's going on with the gems, of how they're flawed and how they were created. They found as if the young Terry, the steward of the Murdoch, is not as white gloved as one might think getting a chance to see him cheat at cars. All that, and leaving Kalila and Defibulus to plot. Hopefully not the destruction of the Murdoch. Well, sit back, me friends, and hear me tale. In the last episode... Faye had a chance to use that strange and what she believes is possessed jeweler's piece to look at two rings. Seeing one, how it was built, with the center having mithril. The second one, seeing a scene of the ring being placed on someone's hand and the murder of a jeweler. Also had a chance to watch Terry cheat at cards. Past that, there was a short conversation with a elven man that is married that clearly has no love for his wife and finding out that it is a marriage of convenience more than a marriage of love. 
I miss anything? Other than Faye made the mistake of leaving Kalila and Defibulus alone to plot out what they're going to do next without her. Oh, we also found out that the Collector knows exactly what he has in his possession. And he's creepily vague about it. Yeah, you want to say it out loud? Yes. You know, Faye didn't even say it out loud to you guys. What, that the Collector's creepy? No, that the loop is haunted. Oh. Haunted, assistant, I mean, it's all how you look at it. All par for the course here. It was an excellent little assistant. I was very, very happy to gain the knowledge that I did, but I don't want to be talked to by my tools. <laughs> I would love it. Imagine the conversations. Uh, your paintbrushes would be just cursing at you. Yeah, but they would get washed more regularly and maybe less destroyed. Actually, I think the first thing you would be, hey, that's coffee you're dipping me in. <laughs> As we break Nightland before this episode even gets started. You're oh yeah, she's face down in her desk. Faye, you have reached back at your room and you see Defibulous and Kalila. I don't want to say plotting, but plotting. Of what they want to do next. I don't want to know. I'm going to go lay down for a minute. Alright. But you can't yell at us with what we come up with. Just here for the ride. Do you need a hot bath? I don't know yet. After she's like in the room, Kalila's gonna look at the fibulas going, I don't think she was ready for this. I think they woefully equipped her for the, pro the process of just dealing with us. This is probably why Nicodemus didn't give me a piece of chalk because I would go back and yell at him for this. Could've gave me one. Right? Kind of hurt he didn't. I am a little offended. She goes, all right, so how are we going to get her out of the room to get to the box of rings? Or are we just going to go talk to the crew and see if they just want to lock everybody in their room? Or those three, at least. We're going to wait her out. Don't. I'll go in while she's asleep. Oh. She's hollering from the other room. Well, that works. Kalila then looks around the room, realizes that there's nothing on the top floor to entertain her, and she misses her forest and hunting. And she goes, well, now what? Mm, what about Terry cheating? I mean, does it matter? I mean, it was well done, but if it were best done, we wouldn't even know. All right, let's, let's just go. Kalila's just going to grab Defibulous by the like, shoulder or hand and be like, all right, come on, drag him into the room and sit on the bed with Faye so that way they're not yelling across the apartment. <laughs> you wanted to be a part of the conversation, but you wanted to lay down, so I'm just coming in here with you. Yeah, sure, that works. But does that mean that we should tell at least Baka? Poor little guy got swindled from by Terry, their trusted steward. Nah, man, Terry earns it. If you can pull it off, you earn it. Yeah, that's true. But it also means that Terry hasn't been straightforward with us either. We have no reason to doubt the information he's given us. Just because he cheats at cards doesn't mean that he runs his mouth. Yes, it does, but it doesn't mean that he runs his mouth um, untruthfully. Yeah, so far everything he has said has checked out. So do we suspect that it's Terry, or are we thinking it's just one of the two wives 
I wish there was a way to find out who's got who can use magic aboard this damn boat. Well, if I could sneak into the room with Faye, I could see if there's any magical items in people's rooms. And if they have a bunch of magical things, I'm going to say that they're probably more akin to use magic. I mean, everyone might have one or two items, but I'm saying if there's any abundance. Other than the collector. He obviously, what if it's him? With all his magical doohickeys, he has a, according to Faye, uh, the, the haunted eyepiece, and you said his room got cold, I thought, or was that Gullcat? Both rooms were cold. Okay. And also, we still haven't gotten the answer as to who crammed this ring into an electrical panel. Or if it had anything to do with the murders. Or if the murders are even connected. Well, here's a stupid question. Hmm. What if someone did jams the ring into the electrical box, knowing that it would cause an issue aboard the ship to distract everyone while they're out running around murdering people? Because it's a great way to just, you know, it would have the, the shutdown it would have caused would have caused enough of an issue that people would have noticed people would be distracted and be easier to get around and do stuff. Yeah, that checks out. So that means that whoever did it would also have to have a fair bit of a knowledge about airships or at least where to jam stuff. I don't know that it's really even a knowledge of how to jam stuff together. It's just, hey, this looks important. I'm going to shove this over here. And have enough luck to not kill themselves or get highly electrocuted in the process? Don't underestimate luck. Alright, that's fair. Tell the crew and see what what is who is now the captain wants to do. Pulling in the four three or four extra brains on this might be smart instead of just our us three. I'm gonna have words with Nicodemus. I am. We we could definitely have used that other brain, even if it smelled like onion. All right, I'm gonna go tell everybody the the crew, and see what they think. If no one has any other better ideas, to act acting captain, tell the acting captain. Yeah. All right, Kalila's gonna go down to the engineering room. Do the cockpit. It. Yep. As you approach the cockpit area, the door is shut, and Defibulous knows the way in. Defibulous will put his hand on the panel and open the door. Takes a moment. I will follow. Uh, as the panel opens, you hear the first mate chatting with the engineer. They're talking about upgrades that they think that they should put on the Murdoch. They're talking about adding actual security and hiring actual guards, hiring a full crew. It seems as if they are not selling the Murdoch now. Kalila's going to just stand there and listen for a little bit. They don't sense your presence, and they are continuing the talk. They talk about engine upgrades, engine security, having an entire engineering team instead of just one person. It sounds as if they are willing to spend several hundred if not thousand platinum to fully retrofit the zepp this luxury zeppelin with more making rooms smaller so that they can fit more people on board moving crew cabins down to this floor so that they can give up certain rooms 
possibly even adding another level for crew cabins, if not more storage. Kalila's going to keep Defibulous and her pretty much, you know, like, I know how you can pretty much hide behind a wall mm-hmm. and no one's going to know you're there and hear it with the way the layout is and go, it almost sounds like, and she's doing this really hushed yeah. to, to Defibulous going, it sounds like they already know who's going to get the Murdoch. Why would you start making these plans before it's sold if you don't know how much it's selling for? Those, uh, those upgrades aren't cheap. Even I know that. More people equals more payout. That equals numbers. The conversation just naturally ends as the engineer makes a joke about how if Terry would have never brought the idea up of not selling, they would have never thought of it because they were all thinking payout in the end. They laugh. You hear the engineer's door slide shut. And the engineer or the uh, first mate goes back to the helm. Oh, wait, Terry made the suggestion of not selling the Murdoch? That is what they just said. Glasgow, should I turn the corner in my typical cat fashion? Yeah, might be a good idea. All right. Glasgow will uncrouch from a hiding position, essentially. Fluff down her fur, make herself nice and pretty, and walk around going, so you're going to keep it then? The first mate jumps for a second. He's just... Gee, God. Sorry, I have cat feet. I'm naturally quiet. Yeah. Didn't mean to sneak up on you. Uh, he dusts himself off. He's like, yeah, no. Uh, Terry brought up the idea of not selling the Murdoch since without the captain, we can't sell it because we can't sign away his, uh, his portion of the share. Yeah, but we also can't find his portion of the share. You know, you, we've been looking too, and we can't either. Or is it either? It doesn't matter. We don't know where it's at. So Terry brought up the idea of let's just not sell. Like, we can't do it anyway um, until we can find that form or until we can get to Godspell and legally put this into our names. There's nothing we can do anyway. So we've discussed it, and we're thinking that Terry's right and that, you know, we shouldn't sell the Murdoch. We can... We can make this better than what the captain ever wanted it to be. All right. Well, I think you should gather everybody but Terry in here. Is everything okay? We have some uh, interesting findings that we feel at this point or another you guys all need to be clued in on because we have three people with very strong circumstantial evidence pointing to one of the three. He goes, all right, well, I can send out a message that I need all cabin crew down here. Yeah, as long as Terry's not involved. He's not cabin crew, so no. It's just the engineer that I need to summon, so that'll just be a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, hey. What's up, Tephibius? Hey, Kalila. Hmm? Wouldn't that also put a big, uh, an excel- a big target on, you know, Terry's head for you know, again, with the other people bidding? If they found out that Terry was the one who suggested not selling, it would put a big target on his head, yeah. Especially against those who really want to buy it because they either need it to get out of their uh, horrible life situation or the one that's getting robbed of a business opportunity. I just find it a little weird that he would suggest that considering 
I mean, especially considering the fact that he wasn't going to get hired on because of the captain. That is true. Hold on. She'll write, take a piece of paper from wherever, scribble the important thing of Terry suggested to cabin crew, don't sell the ship, this is what's going on, and have Hugan deliver the note. To Faye? Yes. Okay. While Hugan is scurrying off, the first mate, acting captain, literally goes, yeah, uh, he brought it up to our attention before breakfast this morning, so uh, it was just after... After the murder of Golcap? Yeah, um, him and I went to my cabin so that I could finish getting ready for my to go to bed, and he brought it up, and I actually thought it was a great idea. I decided to chug down a, a gallon of coffee, it felt like, and come down here, and the engineer and I were talking about it. The navigator's getting an extra day off. He wasn't feeling 100%, so I'm giving him some time to rest. He said he'll be on in his... He'll be taking my shift in the afternoon. Hmm. Come on. I mean, it's a brilliant thing. We don't have the captain, so we really technically can't sell. He looks over at Kalila. It's like, that's also kind of suspicion, ain't it? That's why I was telling Faye and saying that we should talk to everybody first, so that way the entire crew knows everything we know and understands why this is suspicious. Because right now, she'll motion to the first mate. He doesn't know why this is suspicious. Faye. You feel a tap on your arm as Hugin taps you. Little spider paw. Tap, tap. Hello there, buddy. What's up? He holds out a piece of paper. And for me? And I'll take the paper and open it to read it. Kalila's handwriting. Hey, Terry suggested this. Seems suspicious. We're telling the crew what's going on with no Terry. Want to join? Question mark. Alright, come on, Hugan, let's go. Where are they? He walks you down to the cockpit. By the time you get down there, the navigator is just a, about a minute or two behind. He is still getting dressed. He is basically in long johns. Nice skivvies, buddy. He's like, hey, I was sleeping, and it, it didn't seem like it was needing for me to be in uniform. My butt's covered. He wiggles his butt a little bit. Got me some nice, warm uh, long johns. Isn't he a dwarf? Yep. Okay. I just wanted to point out the imagery of a dwarf shaking his butt in long johns, proud that it is buttoned well and covering his arse. Yep. Comfort is important, man. (laughs) (sighs) So the first mate acting captain goes, all right, we're all here. As Kalila will begin to tell them the p- things that they found, where they found them, the rag in the room, the blood on it, like, all of it. And catch them all up on the same page. So they know that the three main suspects is Terry and the two wives. They all kind of look at each other and then look at you in kind of this stunned silence. One of them goes, I don't even think Terry could murder someone. He just... I don't know. He can cheat at cards. Very adeptly. Oh my god, you guys. The engineer goes, I cheat at cards all the time. Someone murdering somebody is more important than giving away someone's skills at being able to hide a card in their sleeve. Sorry. Cheating at cards does not a murderer make. 
No, but it does hint at one's skills. And he has access to the entire ship at any point in time that he wants because he's the, like, go-to person, the steward or whatever. He could have easily gone in and murdered Golcat. He could have easily gone in and murdered the captain and knows to throw away the clipboard or how to do things that would help cover his tracks. You're the one who originally suspected him. You know what? You know what? I could have done all those things too. Yeah, you get yeah, that's a point too. So why would Terry kill Golcat? Because he's a dick. I don't know. Well, one less racist. I mean, I'm not complaining the guy's No one's guy. complaining that Golcat's dead. Why would you not? It's kind of one of those things of, oh, somebody else did it? About time is kind of the attitude everybody had on this ship. You know, I bet you that Terry and the one elf gal are together. That's my suspicion. You mean the the, the stuck-up wife and Terry? Yeah, sure. Golcat insults her, and then... It's interesting. Golcat insults her, makes her storm off, and then within a within a few hours, she's talking to Terry, and then he ends up dead. And we also heard from uh, the human that she was in an argument with Terry the night before he died. And Golcat's name was mentioned many times. So even whether he was cheating at cards or not, that has absolutely nothing to do with. It just helps prove... He has a slight bad streak. Yep, definitely something going on. So we could lock all three of them in their room, and I'm pretty sure we'll have no more murders on the ship. Unless someone's magic. Unless somebody has magic. Unless you lock them all in the same room. And then they might kill each other. Problem solved! In which case, the tracker takes itself out. Right? I'm alright with this. Look, anyway, I'm not certain about Terry. I'm not I'm not certain about any of this actually. Well, should we call Terry down here so he can at least try to defend himself on these accusations? I'm all right with that. I just wanted to have you guys agree that that's the smart move before we made the decision. Because at this point, I don't understand why you don't have a policy saying everybody needs to be locked in their room until they get somewhere on the journey of the ship and hiding everything that has absolutely happened. Cuz the ship was for sale and we wanted the best price. But at this point, we're not talking about selling anymore. But I feel because of how long Terry's been with us, I feel that we should give him a chance to at least defend himself. That is fine. I'm all right with that. All right. So. He's been quite helpful for this entire journey, but up until the last bit of information, he wasn't really a suspect. Well, I will, uh, I will summon him. Faye says, all right, give me a minute. Let me, uh, let me go change into a work uniform, just in case. Why does your outfit have anything? Okay. I'm going to go put on her leathers. She's going to keep a skirt over it. And, uh, she's going to small daggers rather than her sword. She's going to hide them on her purse. Okay. By the time you get back, Terry is in there and carrying a tray of drinks. The, clearly the first mate gave him some kind of excuse to come down the first mate tells terry you know please set that tray down have a seat we need to discuss a couple of things terry seems visually nervous as the navigator walks over and shuts the door behind Faye as she walks in 
the first mate slowly pacing around Terry goes, now, there's been some accusations. You know that there have been two murders on this ship and that there is a murderer on board. These people are from the Holy City and have graciously taken upon themselves to figure out what's going on. And it seems as if you may be a suspect. Terry seems genuinely shocked, or at least puts on the, the facade of he is shocked. And he goes, I'm going to let them discuss this with you. And he steps back to give whoever on your team control of the conversation. All right, that's either me or Defibulous. No, Faye's there too. Uh, she already shook her head. Not it. Faye is leaning against the door, blocking the way out. You want to play rock, paper, scissors, Ethan? No, I'm formulating a question real quick. Okay, you going to take it? Maybe. All right, you lead, and I'll be your backup. So, Mr. Terry. Yes, sir. What sparked you to all of a sudden propose keep the ship? Well, I was looking back at some of our logs and how the ship was originally designated and some of the files there and it talked about how in order for the, the ship to sell all uh, stock owners had to be there and present to accept the bid and seeing that the captain is no longer here I seem that that might be the best course of action was to not sell it seemed as if many of the crew during conversations didn't like the captain and didn't like the way he ran things and I figure with the captain gone, that means that they can run the Murdoch as they see fit. And save your job. He shrugs lightly. He goes, if they wished to keep me, I would have gladly stayed aboard. If not, I have saved up enough money to get myself back to the Holy City. But aren't you, didn't you tell us you can't go back to the Holy City because of what whatever incident occurred aboard this ship? I would not be able to go back on the Murdoch. I'm pretty sure you told us that you couldn't go back at all, period. If I worked for the Murdoch, correct. But if I was dismissed from the Murdoch, I am no longer associated with the Murdoch, and I would just have to work my way up and find a job there. So no, that's right. That tracks. But if you already realized that you couldn't sell the ship, the ship couldn't be sold to begin with. Why would you let everyone think that the cell could continue on? Could have come up. It could have come up with a simple story of, "Hey, the captain had a heart attack. We can't sell. Sorry." He shrugs lightly. He goes, "Well, I've been in and out of the captain's room trying to find his part of the Murdoch's stocks, and I haven't been able to find it. So, when I realized that." it wasn't possible, I figured this would have been the time to do it. Can I sense motive on him? Absolutely. Yeah, since I'm listening intently, too, I think we're all doing that. Okay. 21. Okay. Same. 21. Okay. 27. You think that he is lying about something, but you cannot exactly pinpoint what, but something doesn't ring true. 
Kalila's gonna go, you said you were in and out of his room looking for things, correct? Yes. And you said you didn't find the ledgers. Correct. What did you find? He shrugs lightly and he goes, I found a letter about thanking him for his part and that whoever wrote it will make sure that their sister knows of his his generosity. So you found a letter that seemed potentially relevant to why he might have died, knowing that we've been running this investigation since it started, since you've been the main one helping us. Why didn't you turn that over to us? It didn't seem like it was relevant. I was hoping I would be able to find out more information. It seemed like it was a dead end, and I didn't want to stop your investigation with a dead end. Do you still have the letter? He reaches into his coat pocket slowly and produces the letter. Kyle will still nicely take it. You know, it's not like she's going to yank it out of his hands or anything. Give it a sniff to see if she recognizes any perfumes. It reeks of cheap perfume. Like the same from the human or the same from the elf? It smells like a cheap version of the elf's perfume. Lila's going to definitely wrinkle her nose and scribble a note so she doesn't forget that. And then hand it to Faye so she can compare the handwriting. Okay, I guess I'll compare the handwriting. Or at least for for later. She doesn't have to do it right now, but, you know, with the whole to investigate afterwards. Okay, to the best of my memory, how does it look? Yeah, do a quick memory check to does this look familiar because you have the most eyeballs on her handwriting or we can thoroughly look at it later. Wisdom check. Dirty 20. The signature out of everything. The note looks like it has been written very slowly so that it's to make it look as professional as possible, but the signature catches your eye. It is what you remember the same signature as in what is in the elf wife's notes. The one letter she had that was a of personal with the rings. Hmm. After handing it, because like I said, she'll, yeah. Kalila's not needing an answer immediately to that. We'll look back at uh, Terry and go, can you tell me about the conversation you had last night with the, uh... she'll use her actual name. What's What's the elf's name? Is it Katana? No, it is Balana. Balana, Balana. Oh, that's right, like Balana Torres. Okay. He goes. Which conversation are you speaking of? She spoke to me several times that night. Tell me about all of them. He takes a deep breath and he goes, "Well, I was called down just after lights out. She demanded me to bring her a nightcap that was that also had a." Uh, some hallucinogenic compounds in it for her nightly relaxation. Then I was summoned an hour later for a lunch and then, or for a, a meal. Then she summoned me again to tell me that Mr. Goldcat wanted water. I told her that there was he has a personal buzzer that he could summon me if he needed it. And she began to berate me in undercommon, telling me that Goldcat doesn't want to speak to me directly because I am a 
underling of the elves of the an underling of the the dwarven society and that i am a traitor to my race and that let me stop you right there you're saying that she an elf was ordering water for Gullcat. he nods who refused to speak to you because you're an elf and that i am an underling to the dwarven society insult 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 Mm. right was she in her room or his room? Why was she ordering him water? She was in her hallway, just outside the door. Um, and then she summoned me again just before you all summoned me, telling me that I need to get my priorities straight and that if I am not going to be with the elves, I stand against the elves. Why was she accusing you of standing against the elves and questioning your priorities? Priorities of what? I am not sure. I have worked with many drunken people, and elves tend to think that elves should be in control of everything. And I don't want to run a ship. I enjoy being a steward, and I would love to have assistance in my job, but that's not the case and oh so she's mad at if you accepted the fact the dwarves ran the ship that you're prioritizing not your race yes ah all right i'm still more curious about the Golcat thing did Golcat? Yeah. did you have to go to his room at all for anything that night that she yet yeah, last night that she yelled at you um yes yeah, strangely enough about 1 a.m or so he summoned me to his room asking for a large pitcher of water and was this before or after she ordered him water after all right um i arrived there with the water and he said a few things to me and i left what did he say to you he just gives a light shrug can i get can I get a judge intention from everyone? Sense motive? Sense motive. Thank you. Nat 20. Ooh, nice. I have a 23. 30. Defibulous. With the nat 20, he is definitely hiding something. Defibulous will kind of look at him. Like, so, what you hiding? And he gives a, a shrug and goes, not, nothing. Don't, don't play stupid, sir. I already know you're hiding something. He goes, I regret to inform that I did lose my temper and I did strike Golcat with the glass of the water jug that I, I brought down, the decanter. The, the um, I struck him hard enough to send him to the ground. He wasn't bleeding or anything. And I checked his pulse. He was breathing. I, I cleaned up the glass so that not to harm, so that if he got up, he wouldn't harm himself. But then I excused myself as quickly as I could. Mm. One second, I'm looking at skills. Mm-hmm. Is it what would be another like sense motive type thing to tell if he's lying about that? Absolutely. Everybody? Hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, Defibulous pretty much called him a liar to his face, so. 23. Dirty 20. I have like a 13. Bay, you can't, you could tell he is not lying when he said that he struck him. And you would question the skill of someone to be able to check someone's breathing and heart rate when their adrenaline is pumping from losing their temper. But you also remember that Golcat's skin was cold to the touch and that there was ice particles that have that were still bound to his uh, clothing. And a pitcher of water wouldn't have caused ice. Correct. Where did he fall? Where was he, where, where did he land when you struck him with the pitcher? He landed parallel with his bed. Um, I, I, he, the end of the bed or the length of the bed? Like the end, like the middle of the bed. When I struck him, he kind of bounced off the bed and landed on the ground. Okay. Um, but he didn't seem, he, he seemed unconscious, but, or stunned. I, I'm honestly not sure which, but I checked his breathing and I checked his, his heart to make sure I didn't kill him. And then what? Went back to your room? I shut the door and dismissed myself. I was going to make a formal, uh, a, a make a formal a report, report in the morning, but then I was awoken with him being having been murdered. Yes, and then I I feared, so I decided to keep it to myself. All right. That might actually check out. And this is to remind... Kalila's not saying this aloud. I'm just reminding Faye and uh, Defibulous because it was uh, Baca that came to us and he was planning on doing a gambling thing. So if we check with Baca to see if that timeline runs through. It should. And honestly, if he were soaked with water and then hit with an ice spell then that would cause crystals to stick around even longer if there was already something to freeze. Correct. And Baca came to us at three. So there's two hours between him hitting him with a pitcher and his death. What happened in those hours? But I thought when we found him, he had been dead for a little while or like six or eight hours or am I remembering that wrong? Right, but the freezy spell would have changed everything included oh that. yeah it would change the time and and stuff Faye. Mm-hmm. maybe we should go ask baka do you want to or do you want me to he liked both of us you've already questioned him before so he might be qu- comfortable with you or do you think it would be wise to send to fibulus to see if the story changes Let's try it. Defibulous. Yes. Why don't you go find Baca and quietly try and ask him about what time he was talking to Gullcat last night about the gambling and winning big, as he put it. If it was after one o'clock, then Terry's telling the truth and he didn't murder him. 
Yeah, alrighty. I'll be back. Thanks. Beals will go scutter down to Golcat or er, Baklava's room. As you approach Baka Baklava's room, the door is wide open and you see Baka and the halfling sitting on Baka's bed, counting out a large amount of coin. Standing outside the door, laughing jovially, is the dwarf. He is clearly laughing about something. Turning to you as you walk up, he goes, Ah, be careful, my friend. Uh, they, uh, they got some luck. I just got, I just lost me a cool 500 platinum to those two. That Baka has got some luck on the cards. That's good advice. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. He nods as he walks by. He pats you hard on the shoulder and he goes, and, uh, hope to see you later and walks off. Stranger danger. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say something. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, Defibulous will uh, kind of shudder and, and knock on the door. Baka looks up and he goes, Ah, welcome. Come in, come in. Baka just went big. I heard 500 platinum big. Yeah. I almost have enough to make Baka dreams come true and travel all the time. Or buy big home. I haven't decided yet. Both sound fun. But Baka's getting bored. This room very small. Well, we're trying to clear that up for you, big guy. Don't worry. The halfling looks and is like, should I leave or are we cool if I hang out? Let him hang out. Let him hang out. Nah, you're good. You can stay. You know what? So, Baka. Mm. Uh, what time were you supposed to be meeting up with Gullcat and whatnot for your big game to win big? Baka was supposed to meet at five. We spoke at like... We were going to bed. He came in while Baka was changing into a fancy nightgown. And he go, you know, I could win big and, and win all my dreams if I game with him that night. So it like, I don't know. The the moon was high when I spoke to him last. Uh, and, and and then when I go check his room at five, he, he down on ground and... and not moving. That's when Baka go get you. Because Baka didn't do it. Baka swear. Defibrillus just to make sure and we'll sense motive with him. Okay. Yeah, I'm that person. I will do it. Alright, go for it. 16. You 100% believe Baka because it seems like Baka is trying too hard to be a fancy man to even risk being caught in any kind of lie. So you said the moon was uh, was high that at that point? Ah, uh, yeah, moon was high. Uh, what would type of would that just be a general? Uh, it would be like midnight, one o'clock, is when he spoke to him last. Okay. Probably closer to like midnight, eleven thirty, but you're also on a, a zeppelin, so moon high could be any hour that it is up past cloud line. And you ran into him where when he said this to you? When you were in, he came to your room and said this to you? He goes, he was in hallway. Me and Baka, me, Baka and he have rooms next to each other. Was anyone else in the hallway? Uh, looks at the halfling. The halfling's like, I wasn't really paying attention. I know that at some point I heard uh, 
him yelling at Terry for something, but I was half asleep. Bakugo. He was yelling at Terry? Uh, Goldcat was yelling at Terry for something. I don't know, man. Goldcat was... Man, Goldcat's one of those old racists. Some, some of those insults he flings, they're deathly, man. Like, they'd start wars back in the old days. But I know that him and Terry had some kind of words, but I was half asleep when I heard it. Hmm. Baka, did you hear him yelling anything in particular? Baka thinks for a moment and goes, Baka, I did hear something. But Baka didn't understand. Understood knife ear, because that's bad word. And and understood or? Yes, or. And, and spoken in, in, what was that language? I don't know. I, I, I recognize, but not speak it. Uh, uh, drow friends speak it when he's with family. Undercommon? Yeah, that's it. Goldcat called him something in, 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 in undercommon. And, and Terry was bad. And, and then I hear splash and shatter. And then quiet. I thought Terry may have, like, gotten hit and ran off. Or Goldcat mad and threw beer. Goldcat throw alcohol sometimes, too. Hmm, I see, I see. All right. Um, hopefully we'll have all this resolved here so shortly, buddy. Okay. I still stuck in room? For now, yeah. Okay. That way, just look at Maybe this room is lucky for you. Maybe you'll make 500 more platinum. This is true. I always thought it was because Baka were lucky boxers. Hey, it could be. You never know, man. And don't look at me. I don't have 500 platinum for you to take, so... You're... No luck there, buddy. Baka laughs. It goes, yeah. You, unless you want to to wager strange gun thing stick, I hear good market on that. Mm, tell you what, maybe I'll have one custom made for you at some point. Baka would like. Baka would hang in in Great Hall, and it would be biggest prize trophy. I'll, I'll see what I can do for you, buddy. Baka has a large, childlike grin on his face as he goes back to counting coins. Oh, he's too precious. <laughs> she, she's like legit swooning over here, like hands over the heart with, oh my god, so cute. Like, uh, she's face down on her keyboard right now. Giant green cinnamon bun. <laughs> like she's nuzzling like a cat does, you know, just nuzzling the side of her table. Swooning. A defibulous will head back to the cockpit. Okay. And let himself back in. Harry is still sitting in the chair, hands in his lap, just quiet. I'm back. Welcome back. Well, Goldcat's on a roll. Was he alive after Terry left? Uh. He says he heard the, the shattering of glass and stuff, but he also says that uh, Goldcat also throws beer occasionally. Yeah, it seems to fit. But he also did tell me that he heard Goldcat. Goldcat heard him uh, yelling at you, Terry, calling you a bunch of nasty stuff, undercommon, slinging some really old-fashioned racist insults. Eric nods. But my question is, why would 
the elf lady be talking to Golcat at all, considering how mad how mad she was at him already? And why she was ordering him water. Can you explain that? Harry gives a shrug. He goes, I thought it was some kind of insult between the two of them. Because it, before anyone really arrived and settled, she and Golcat were the first on board. And... Did they enter together or just conveniently in the same hour? They were within the same hour. The husband was checking some weapons and valuables at the safe and the, the wife um, came in and her and Golcat saw each other at the bar and Golcat made some comment about how it seems that her blood is cheaper than water or something. So I figured that either they had some kind of ongoing insult or something. I wasn't entirely sure what was going on. I was just doing my job. In Undercommon, in the crudest terms possible, Faye is going to ask, were they hooking up? Harry stares at you for a second and it's clear that he's processing the undercommon like it's something he doesn't commonly speak and he goes I don't think so but I think that I think that maybe it's something to do with the family like maybe Golcat's family owned something or I don't know the, the way those two fought it was more of actual hate than sexual banter I mean, hang, angry sex is a thing. Don't knock it. Um, Harry nods. Okay. He goes, no, I, I've heard many, a, I have repaired many a room from angry sex. All right. Faze is going to file some knowledge away for later. Just Terry. Mm, yes, ma'am. You've been with us in this entire investigation trying to figure it out. Yes. Who do you think murdered the captain? No one's directly asked you, and you've been with us all along. I'm curious as to who you suspect. Whether you have complete grounds, I, I know it's speculation. He goes, well, honestly, it's got to be someone who wanted to purchase the Murdoch. It was the only thing that if they could have gotten a hold of the, the captain's side of the, the stocks they wouldn't have had to pay out as much because even if they were uh, outbidded they'd still own a quarter of the the murdoch and still be owed a quarter of the the money so who would benefit the most out of that the merchants the merchants wives i honestly don't think lady katana is smart enough to pull this off that's the human right yes yeah okay i I also, she's never entered the cockpit area. She is either in her room or on the gambling floor. She That you are aware of. No one knows who the captain let in that night. This is true, but... Did the captain show interest in either of those women? You are the one who observes everybody. He goes, well, the captain does have a thing for women that have power. And yeah, but neither of them seem to be very powerful or strong. Yeah, well, on a limited voyage, you take what you get. So who's the most powerful woman? 
Lady Katana has no power. She is... He... Stare... He tr is clearly picking his words very carefully. He goes, um... I believe the, the most proper term is escort? Um... But when it comes to power, physical strength isn't always something that the captain went for. Oh, true. He, there were many a times he would go for someone who had political power so that he could lower the fees for the Murdoch for landing or taking off or supplies. Now, who, uh, who did all the check-in on, like, equipment and what have you anyway? The captain, the first mate. So look at the first mate. What did they check in? He walks over, grabs a book, flips through a couple of pages, and he goes, let's see. Uh, let's see, the elf couple. Uh, let's see, Belana had nothing to check in. All of her stuff did not register as weapons. Let's see, the husband checked in two mithril longswords, one iron wood crossbow, and what was, I guess, aptly described as a mithril mace, um, a mithril mace that carried multiple elements in its charge. Wow, was he like expecting to go to war or something aboard the ship or what? Uh, they were still factory packaged. Um, they were still crated. We ended up having to actually pop the the nails out to check them in. It is. He is a merchant. He could have been looking to sell them. Uh, Valid point. By what we were hearing is he's trying to get a contract with the guards over at the Lizard Folk territory. That's fair. Hey, first officer. Yes. Do you guys have any means of detecting magic aboard this ship whatsoever? At dock, we will sometimes hire people who can detect magic. Um, the captain did not want to do it at the last stop when we picked up everyone because he didn't want to spend the I think it was like 2,000 gold for someone to do the detect magic. But when we checked in, you guys paid the gold to, to scan us. Yes. And make us check in ours. So it's a policy the captain disregarded at whim it sounds like. Whenever he felt like he was not making a profit. Yes. And given the limited passengers, because this flight was about showing off to the buyers and, or the bidders. And your tickets came from the Holy City as well. So I was assuming he did it as a way to get back at the Holy City. A spite because he didn't like whoever was coming from the Holy City. Yeah, he has a thing against anyone from the Holy City ever since that paladin officer burned him. Mm, the one that had the maybe baby with him? Yeah, her. It was alright. So that means just about anybody but us could have brought in magical items. Anybody who got on at that stop. Who got on that stop aside from that merchant and the two wives? Let's see. Uh, he looks over the manifest and goes, alright, so... It looks like we picked up Baka Baklava and his compatriot to stop or a halfling. Yeah, a stop before that. Did you guys scan for magic then? Um, 
he just kind of gives a shrug. He goes, when we met Baka Baklava, he uh, had just purchased his first fancy outfit, and he was very avid about talking about it. He did let us search all of his bags, and they were all clothing. The halfling, all right, so there was no need. Yeah, the halfling was very apt to ex- explain that he did have some magical items, which he willingly surrendered. He carried a dagger, a short sword, a short bow, and a quiver. All right, sounds normal for standard traveling protection. Right. Uh, let's see. He flips through pages and he goes, the... Oh, we also picked up the dwarf merchant at that stop, and... The mithril one? Yes. And All right. he only had a mithril enchanted warhammer, which he willingly surrendered. Um, and his guards said that they were going to take a storage, a standard zeppelin, and meet him at the lizard folk. All right. So at one stop, you picked up Baka, the halfling, and the mithril merchant. And then the next stop, you picked up the... Picked up the elf? Ma- the, and his wives. We'll go with wives, and we picked yeah, up... Yeah, we'll just... C- them. And then we also picked up you. There was five of you, or four of you. No, there's still four of you. Because, yeah, you picked us up at the same stop as the elf yes. and his wife. They arrived... About two hours prior to you. Uh, ah, they just boarded earlier. Yes. But then they pay. So on the same day, you picked us up, and instead of scanning them for magical items via the captain's decision, I'm not blaming you, mm-hmm. but you in general decided not to scan them for magical items, but because we had tickets from the Holy City, you decided to scan us in spite of the Holy City. Right. We also picked up Golcat on that same stop. What about the collector? He stops and he flips through the pages. He goes, I don't actually have record of him coming on board. Look at Faye. What? That's suspicious. And he's the only one that does have magical items. Yeah, but, I mean, he's not throwing any suspicions regarding True. But he's also the one person that has only left his room once the entire time we've been aboard. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I'm, you guys, I'm honestly kind of not worried about it. True. Just making sure we're all on the same page. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, we can dump back, but I think more than anything, that illustrates holes in your procedures. Yeah, and Terry has pointed them out, and we have been making a very long list of upgrades. Of what to change policy-wise and beyond? Yes, and we're hoping to find... We're either going to be taking out a very large sum of money at Godspell to do these updates, or we're going to be having to put our put a lot of. Because all things aside, that's probably smart. But maybe you should uh, sell fifty percent of the shares to that silver or platinum whoever merchant, and he could probably fund a lot of this if you gave him fifty percent. Yeah, um, we we've talked about that too. We're we're still debating it. We're all kind of more in the the idea of bringing Terry and the chef in as part of shareholders and have more of committee to decide upgrades, not just the captain. Fair. Murdoch, business aside, 
Kalila's gonna go, I'm still going to talk to my compatriots, but at this point, looking at Faye and Defibulus and actually all the crew, I think we just need to question the two women. One of them's gonna break. They nod and they go, how would you like to do it? I don't want to crust in the entire crew like oh, we did be- tried to do before, but <sighs> hang on, hang on. I think if we've got this narrowed down, the investigative team can take over. Right? So look at the captain or the first mate. If that's how you want to roll it, but we can't technically keep her, keep them in their rooms. They, we can't. Why but we not? Can't. You run the ship. Lock the whole ship down. Put everybody under cabin. Even us. I mean, we can. He looks at... It's an option. I mean, how long until we get to Godspell? He goes, well... Well, we're stopping at the lizards first. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. How, how long until our next docking point? He looks at the, the instruments, and he's like, well, we're a couple hours off course, so it would be at least another two days. But... If one of them's it's that, or we go in their rooms, investigate all their stuff, or question them, or we just bunker down and tell the investigative team when they get here. If we get delayed by twelve hours, then that's fine. But I don't want to be held here for a week because of them. Harry goes, "Why not search their rooms?" Because you don't want us to tell the crew that the captain's dead, and they're going to go, "Why am I being investigated? Why are you invading my privacy?" Yada yada yada. The first mate, I'm sorry, not the first mate. The navigator chimes in. And he goes, Captain didn't, Captain basically said he didn't want the, uh, the elf merchant and his wife disturbed because they were friends or some bull crap like that. He pats around in his, on his long johns and then stops and goes, oh, wait, walks over and actually flips open a console that is full of buttons and lights and switches and dials and pulls out a piece of paper. And he's like, so uh, I saw the captain stuff this in here and I didn't think about it until now. And he hands you a signed contract signing away his entire shares, but it's all written in undercommon. Talking about how he currently only has, possesses half of his original stock, that the other half is safely secured with a young woman that the merchants, that they will know when they see her, and that they will meet them at the lizard folk, and that the captain would do what he can to ensure that the, the crew sells their stock to the right person. This is all written in... Um, Undercommon, under correct. You know, Kalila's gonna glare at the navigator going, this is a... You, you know how important this piece of paper is? He goes, it looks like a grocery list to me. I don't understand this language. I speak common and dwarven. And I don't oh, even speak dwarven he doesn't know what's on well. the paper. Yeah, he's like, I don't even speak dwarven that well because I wasn't born in a dwarven city. Well, I was, but I wasn't. Right. You speak Dwarven and Bad Dwarven. I get it. Yeah. Same. I speak Common yeah. and kind of Dwarven. Can you read under Common, Faye? Yeah, this is um, kind of a game changer, you guys. How big? D20. 
deep breath in, begin reading. And as Bay reads out this very big piece of the puzzle, we end this episode here. Well, well, well. It seems as if the adventurers have found more clues. In fact, these clues seem as if they were very, very important. Maybe a better search might have turned this up. But you cannot change the past. You can only lean towards the future. And hopefully in the future of these adventurers... This murder mystery will come to an end. Well, that is all the time we have for this eve. For the moon is high, and it is time for me to say good night. And as always, me friends, may the dice gods bless your every roll. We here at What the Dice would like to thank Paizo for creating Pathfinder, Epidemic Sound for our music, as well as Sirenscape for our sound effects. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so on Facebook at What the Dice Pod, Twitter at What the Dice Pod, and of course email WhatTheDicePod at gmail.com. And if you liked our little adventure, please share us with your friends and rate and review us. 